think we're all coming back now from our rooms. Everybody have a good discussion. Meet somebody new, hopefully. A little bit different of a discussion than you might have in like your day-to-day -day normal life, you know? It's always nice to be able to have one of those and just think a little bit differently, isn't it? Um, Greg, okay, so, you know, one of the things that I uh, just wanted to, you know, uh, open up the floor here like a little bit is that did anybody learn anything new? Has anybody share, want to share anything that they learned anything new about any tactics or anything that they learned from anybody in their group about what ways they help themselves lock in the mindset or help other people lock into the right mindset to help things be more efficient and effective and people run in fear? If you're too too shy and open up, feel free to uh, raise your hand if that's something you feel called to do and want to share on. I'll tell you one of the things that I always do um, is it's a very sneaky, sneaky, sneaky trick because it actually doesn't involve actually saying anything to anybody. And I like I went, you should guys try this out. You'll find it. It's actually amazing. So one of the things that I'll actually do here is whenever I notice that there is uh, something is uh, off in me, like I'm not feeling centered in, in a way to be able to be present with what's happening in front of a conversation or with somebody that I'm with is what I'll do is I'll actually take a big, deep breath in. I'll hold it. And then I'll slowly just like exhale it and then constantly just try to get my body to relax. And what I notice when I do that, I do this slow, big inhales, hold it, slow exhale and start breathing like that, all of a sudden, now that fight or flight, that sympathetic nervous system that's kicking off, that's driving fear, anxiety, or whatnot, automatically starts to just calm down. And because, and then it just calms down. And I don't actually have to try to like do any like super psychological trick. All I have to actually do is just breathe. And just by watching my breath and breathing like in and out, it will get my mindset in there. Now, here's the thing I didn't know. Most all of my life, I'm 38 years old. Most all of my life and my entrepreneurial life, every seminar, coach, everything I ever learned, everybody always taught me was like, like tricks and tips about what to say to people or body language to be able to get, to get them to do something that's different, right? In some way. So to get them to change however they were showing up, right? And it's like a listening skills and reflective listening, neurolinguistic programming, like everything. Actually, the most effective thing that I found is actually the same thing I do for myself, but I'll just do it with the other person there. So it works like with like my girlfriend, the same way that it works with any of my employees. And it's the same thing that actually works for me, right? All I'll do is I'll just do the breathing, the long, slow inhale. And just while they're talking, while they're breathing, I breathe slightly longer than they do. I'll slow down my breathing just slightly more than they do. And what happens is, is because I'm now doing that, they subconsciously will start to slow down their own breathing. And when they start to slow down their own breathing, their body sub unconsciously does the physical mechanisms that are needed for their psychology to relax. And I don't have to even say anything. I just have to show up calm, breathe. They're going crazy, but now they start to like calm down. I'm just, remember, I'm just breathing here, right? So now all of a sudden I'm being a great listener 
they're able to just vomit out whatever's going on inside of them. And eventually they vomit out enough of whatever's going on inside of them. And I'm helping them hold space to be able for them to calm down. And eventually they're able to get back out of fight or flight. And now we're in a place that we can actually talk and discuss because now their mind is actually quieted back down. And to me, it's the most amazing thing in the world because it doesn't require me to actually say anything. It's the easiest thing I've ever learned to do. It's also the most effective thing I've ever learned to do when it comes to it. Cause I'm all about like efficiency, efficiency and effectiveness. And the least I have to do for the maximum impact. And this breathing stuff is neck lights out once you can learn how to use it to help yourself and to help other people. Okay. I hope um, that was new for people uh, here today as like a new something to, to learn and to think about. I want to try it out, you know, try it out for yourself. Try it out for yourself when you start thinking about anything that stresses you out. Start seeing the impacts. I'm just trying it out for yourself. And try it out the next time you're in a place where you're like, you feel like an argument's about to start with somebody. You feel like, start feeling like there's tension in there. Just start doing the breathing, listening. Don't engage in the fight. Just breathe, relax. Watch what happens. It's wild when they don't have anybody to fight against and nobody to push against because you're just chill. All of a sudden, they'll just start to become chill too and not even know why. They'll just be like, oh, cool. I was angry or I was feeling that way. Nah, now just I feel different. They won't know what happened, but you will. They'll know exactly what happened. You'll be like, oh my God, I got like Jedi mind trick powers of like what it is that I'm doing um, to these people in my life. And it's great because it helps them to be able to be more efficient and effective, more at peace inside of their own lives. Um, okay, so among other things that I, we were going to talk about here today, I think the formal subject uh, pieces that I wanted to, um, that was requested uh, for me to go over today was around um, what kinds of like yearly things are needed with entity structures, corporate structures. So inside of Royal Legal Solutions, we look at that as um, three different spokes, right? Because we deal uh, primarily with uh, anonymous entities. And we're using a lot of LLCs and uh, corporate trust structures or Delaware statutory trust structures. So that typically comes into three spokes. And those three spokes are uh, corporate compliance, which is everything you need to do in terms of uh, formal legal compliance um, on a yearly basis, including like yearly filings with the states, like franchise taxes or other types of yearly forms. Then you're also looking at registered agent uh, necessities and registered agent necessities regard uh, having a registered agent. Um, at a particular uh, physical address, can't be a PO box. And it's somebody that can accept service or process of a lawsuit, right? Because if I can't, you know, if I can't sue Brian, because I can't find Brian, who's the owner of XYZ LLC, what I can do is I can uh, serve those papers onto the secretary of state. And then that's the way that the LLC can get quote unquote notice of the lawsuit uh, is through the registered agent. And then the last uh, spoke of what happens in terms of yearly um, necessities with anonymous entities is your nominee trustee. So for all the entities that we work with, um, either the entities are de facto anonymous, like because they're Wyoming LLCs, and or um, they're non-de facto anonymous, meaning like they're Texas LLCs or other LLCs that are owned by trusts and that those trusts need uh, a nominee trustee associated with that trust. Uh, every trust has to list a trustee. Um, in almost all circumstances, and that has to be a, a person um, or an entity and an address. That comes with it, right? So your best nominee trustees that you can get are always attorneys because those are types of nominee trustees that have attorney-client privilege associated with them. So it gives you that extra layer of anonymity on top of uh, the screening the public record. 
Um, so it's the belt and suspenders approach that you're using when you um, use the attorney as the nominee trustee for any of those trusts. So a couple of factors that come in, right? Because when it comes to the nominee trustee part of it, if you have a Wyoming LLC, it's who's going to be the person that is signing any of the documentation that's associated with any of the annual filings, right? And same thing with yearly types of updates or filings that need to happen on the any of the trust uh, structures for the non de facto anonymous entities. But the long and the short of it, right, is that you really have of these three things, what you're really talking about is what are the things I got to do every year to make sure my entity is uh, has formal compliance with the law in terms of maintenance? That's corporate compliance. Number two is how do I make sure they can get lawsuits because the state requires me to be able to have a way to be able to receive lawsuits with the entity. And then what are the things I need to do on a yearly basis to maintain anonymity, right? And those and that's what we call them as terms of services and Royal Legal Solutions as it's a corporate compliant registered agent and nominee trustee. General terms that'll apply to any service provider. That's just what we happen to call them uh, internally here. Um, <clears throat> so registered agent is really simple, right? Um, that person essentially just exists and they're there. They're there and really they don't do anything besides if, unless there's actually something to do. Because the only time your registered agent is actually doing anything is when a lawsuit happens to get filed. And then all of a sudden um, now they have to like take that paperwork and then they have to pass it to you. I per personally believe it's really uh, smart and from um, is to use attorneys as your registered agent. Hopefully your attorney, the same attorney that's going to give you some type of litigation support. Why? It's because once the lawsuit is served, um, all of a sudden litigation has already started, right? So um, you have a certain amount of time to be able to file an answer at that point um, to the lawsuit uh, before you're in default. Um, and there's a certain amount of times to strategize to come in. So having uh, some type of legal counsel that's associated with that is ideal. Although, you know, it, and it's going to be okay no matter what, right? Um, we're talking about the difference between like good and excellent in terms of what would you want to look for inside of like a registered agent. And the nominee trustee side and your anonymous um, side of what happens with any entities that you have with the anonymity in place, um, you can leak technically, right? Anybody can serve those functions for you, right? That has authority and permission to be able to uh, be the trustee of like one of your trusts or to file your annual paperwork for you, right? Um, however, uh, the best, right. Is to be able to use somebody, one that has experience in doing that, because that way, you know, they're, uh, they're responsible and taking that off your plate. Um, cause if you're like me, there's like a million things that can happen in life. And that the more other people are watching the little tiny details and the, the, the minutia of things inside of a system and process. And I don't have to put my brain on that and put it in my calendar and remember how I want to fill out all the forms, like the happier my life is. Right. And then number two, um, that's best if that person is actually an attorney because um, whether they're filling out the uh, public information reports that are associated with the LLC as part of the annual filings of the LLC, whether they're filling out the franchise tax reports, um, any other public reports um, that might need to be filed depending upon what state you're located in, or any addresses um, or contact information associated with any of the entities, if all those point to an attorney, what happens is, is that if anybody is ever looking to discover information about your entities or structures or anything, they get blocked. Not only can the attorneys, like will attorneys not say any information about it because, you know, they, they work for you and you told them, Hey, I don't want you to give out any of my information. And that's why we're putting the screen in place. Um, in almost all circumstances, we can't be legally even compelled to say anything 
So it's not that we won't say anything. It's like we can't say anything and we can't even say anything if they try to make us say something, right? Like we're your best friend, you know, the best friend that like will keep all your secrets for you, right? Um, and uh, and that's that's that the function of anonymity when you want the anonymity at the highest level. So the big leg of the stool that actually happens here with your entity structures is really around the corporate compliance. That's where things are really happening um, on a year-to-year -year basis. And so the corporate compliance uh, is all of the paperwork that needs to happen. So it depends uh, on what needs to happen for your entity on one, what type of entity it is, what state and what state it's doing all of the compliance for, right? So the corporate compliance is different for like a Delaware statutory trust um, than it is for an LLC. Right, because uh, DSTs or trust structures, they don't have to ha engage in minutes, like any types of yearly minutes or yearly meetings, like LLCs do. And then, depending upon what state your LLC is formed in, and how you constructed the operating agreements of those LLCs, can actually depend upon whether you even have to do yearly meetings or minutes at all, or, or if they can actually be waived. Yeah. So, in states like Texas, uh, for example. Uh, you uh, you can actually waive it. Per the operating agreement, you can actually waive it and say, we are going to waive any type of yearly meetings, any type of yearly minutes, um, that the LLC is going to automatically adopt um, all of the actions of the managers and their agents uh, as as a, a normal a normal course. Now, a question becomes into it. Sometimes it's saying like, well, do I should I do that documentation anyway to be able to show that this is a properly run business? Yeah. And so the most conservative thing to do is, is to say yes, because the more documentation that I create, the, the more I'm showing any type of court that reviewed to say, hey, is this business a true business separate from yourself? And we'd say, well, yeah, because look, I look at all the stuff that I'm doing. And typically in a lot of these courts analysis, it's like a 14 point factor test of all of the different things they'll look at to be able to say, is this business um really the individual that's running it, or is it treated as a separate business, right? And the factor tests are really typical and common in the law when they don't really want to give any real clear guidance. Um, and because I'll just say, hey, judge, look at a bunch of this stuff, and then you'll make a determination on whatever way you feel about what's going on. So um, what I like to do, as I like to look to say is like, is there throughputs in the theory that is able to tell us um, what is the minimum um, effective amount of compliance I have to do. Because any type of compliance I do costs me time and costs me money. I either have to pay somebody else to do it um, or I end up having to do it, remember to do it. One way or another, this is going to cost me time and money. So I, I want to make sure I'm in compliance because being in compliance is exceptionally important, especially in the game um, that I specialize in. It's one of the most important things that I have to know about is exactly what is being required. And then the next step is, is like, after I know what's required, what's the most efficient and effective way to be able to um, produce that and to be able to maintain that. So when we look at types of entities and we're looking like, well, should they do the, the minutes and the meetings? Um, that depends on a client by client basis, right? So uh, for any of the corporate compliance that we do, um, we're always going to be looking at what state those LLCs are in and is it required that we have to do that compliance or not? Um, then secondarily, then we do is we look at, we review how is a client currently operating those entities to be able to make determinations of, do we actually need to go ahead and do these extra steps, even if they're not required? Um, now, most, all of our clients are using Texas entities for the bulk of what's happening because we're using series LLCs there and uh, for the operating companies and asset holding companies. And Texas is amazing in the fact that 
that allows us to be able to waive um, waive all uh, all of that extra work. Um, it has great asset protection in place, great charging order protection, um, and uh, you are uh, further um, inside of compliance if you do the one thing that is super important, which is accounting records. Like Texas is dispositive on the fact that we're going to treat a entity separate than you if you have accounting records showing that you're keeping track of the income and expenses um, of the business separate from uh, from, separate from yourself, right? You're going to say, cool, like this is how my asset holding company, this is the rents that are coming in off my property and the expenses that are coming in off my property. And I have that here, like in this set of books that I'm keeping track of. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has, has to be some form uh, of writing. And in fact, most states that's true for that, like the accounting records themselves are dispositive um, of the fact of how your, um, how, how the business is going to be treated as a separate uh, business um, from you. Now, you want to try to keep things as clean as possible, right? Um, but just know that the law doesn't actually require perfection and anything, right? That's why when we talk about like factor tests, right? This is why they are, those types of factor tests are embedded inside the laws because we realize that most people aren't going to do things perfectly, right? And that like doing all of them isn't necessary in all circumstances, right? So this is where we build flexibility into the law. And everything that we do as real estate investors, as the communal thing that we're all here about as investors and in investing in real estate, um, this is the, the best fit line. No, fine. However, if you're a belt and suspenders guy, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I'm not doing these yearly minutes and I'm not doing the yearly meetings and I want some documentation and I want it to be there because that's going to help me sleep easier at night. Then we should produce that, right? Because at that point, it doesn't, you know, it'll give you a peace of mind and the peace of mind itself is actually worth doing the work, right? Because at the end of the day, that's actually what we're trying to get after here, right? We're actually trying to get after not great asset protection. We're actually trying to get after what is a durable peace of mind. Can we get to a place in life where we say, these areas of my life feel stable. They run by systems and processes. I feel safe in case like anybody ever tries to challenge them. I don't have to really think about them. Other people are taking care of it for me, but I know it's being run right. And now I can relax knowing that if the worst case scenario thing in my life happens, then I'm going to be okay, right? And, and that's the uh, the nuts and bolts um, as it comes into corporate compliance, registered agent uh, and nominee trustee. So um, any uh, questions, uh, comments, concerns, I, I can guarantee you, I don't know everything that there is to know about every LLC in every state and the nuances of it off the top of my head. Um, but uh, I can do the best I can on answering anybody's questions or um, clarifying any points. Yeah, I was going to um, ask, is it when we set up a structure through Royal Legal, is it defaulted to put those processes in place? that we're followed up with, that we have that peace of mind, or do we actively have to say, it's November, I should call Royal Legal. What's, where are we? What's going on? What do I need to do? What can I be helped with? What do you offer? So on. So how does that process kind of go into place? And then what flexibility is there from a learning perspective so that ultimately, depending on the work involved, we can grow and take that on ourselves if it's really not a um, you know, certain aspects I could see that we would, I would just, I mean, everyone's different, but depending on who you are, you want to just kind of, like you said, peace of mind for whatever it is. And other people maybe just want to take it all on themselves and just learn for the first year. 
Sure. Yeah. It's uh, I would recommend if you, if this is something you want to take on to be like hands-on and running all the pieces of your business that you never do anything the first year on your own. They always do it in year two. You, my experience in business has been that I should always hire somebody else who's a professional that has an existing process to have them run it at least in year one, because then I get to like learn how does an existing and proven system and process run to be able to take care of something. Then all I have to do is copy their system and process and say, cool, I can at least run it at least as well as they do. Right. Um, so if you're in terms of like knowledge jacking, like that's the most efficient and effective piece that, or way that I found to do it. When it comes into um, uh, that, that amazing music through my, <laughs> through my mind for a second. Um, so I would say, I would say to do to think about it in that way for anything that you want to learn there is what I found as an entrepreneur to be most effective. Um, and then, then the pieces come about saying like, what is the lesser protection you're trying to get to? Cause the moment that you start uh, or somebody else that doesn't have attorney client privilege or, uh, or it's, or you're filing paperwork, right? Um, then you're saying like, well, then like I'm accepting lesser forms of protection or anonymity that are associated with my entity structure, right? Because now they either don't have attorney client privilege or I'm listing my own name on things that I'm signing to submit to the state. And now I have more paper trails that are leading back uh, to me as the owner, which might not be a big deal, right? Cause you might be like, well, I'm actually not that concerned about like having all of the anonymity pieces in place. I personally really like the anonymity because um, the more anonymous, um, like in aggregate uh, terms of data, the more anonymous people become, the less likely a lawsuit ever is to get filed. Because from a litigator's perspective, there's a higher and higher risk that we could win the lawsuit and we never get paid. And that's a worse nightmare, right? So then what happens is, is people say, as a litigator, I mean, think about it from them as a business. I only want to take on lawsuits where I know I can get paid because most of the time I'm taking on risk. Uh, some type of business risk. And I got my own bills that I have to pay. I still got to pay my paralegals, still got to pay my support staff, still got to pay my office rent and whatnot, right? So we may, we ultimately, what we really are trying to do is make it a really bad business decision for somebody to ever try to sue us. And that's why we look at like, what are the, all of the little ratchets? Now there's another thing that happens as a litigator that says, if this son of a gun has thought through all of these pieces to this level of detail, what are all the things that I don't know that I'm about to run into, Right. Because then there's all the unknown defenses. Okay, well, how have they stripped assets out of here? Have they actually collateralized loans on top of that, like using equity stripping? You know, have they set up LP agreements that are with other entities? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you can run into. So at every step of the game, really the, the highest level of asset protection that comes through is as a psychological game that says, I, I want to make it where it looks like you would never even want to think about suing me. Because the moment that you actually decide to sue me, I'm usually out five to $10,000 because in just attorney's fees and having to fight the lawsuit. And so if I get, if I take that money instead of invest in really good asset protection in most circumstances, I can make it where they never even file a lawsuit in the first place. And it also happens to protect me. But in long and short of the story, it says, well, you might want to do it anyway. You say, well, actually all those things don't, aren't, aren't interesting. Actually, I want to take it back on. I would just have, a company, whether it's Royal Legal Solutions or uh, a professional provider, do all the pieces for you the first year, give you all the documents to it, um, and then file it in the same way that they filed it. Uh, and that way you can just ensure that it's uh, ensure that it's done correctly. Um, it's not rocket science, right, to, to do it. I mean, the state, I mean, they're state forms, right? So it's not like it's anything that you have to be brilliant uh, to be able to figure out. 
Um, but it's in the details of how it works in a cohesive system that things do become like a little bit nuanced. But I'm not sure 100% sure I answered all the aspects but of your question, I Matt. Wyatt, I know Wyatt and Chris have a question, but the, the main, main question, is it defaulted so that like November, because this is literally for us. Oh, yeah. So we'll all, always take care of everything say, collectively. Hey, guys, we, you guys should be doing this and thinking about it. You want us to do it for this first year? Or do we have to, are we going to miss that boat because we didn't call you and say we needed this from you? Yeah. So here it's phenomenal, right? So the thing to do is, is anytime you have a question about like what's going on, what I've done is be able to create the system such that um, the best thing to do is to contact into legal support at royallegalsolutions.com, which goes directly to the paralegal team. And then they're able to look exactly like what uh, membership subscriptions services that you're signed up for to make sure it's like, great, we got you matched up with what it is that you're looking for to do. If you're already a member um, there too, what you can also do is inside of your two annual um, um, strategy and compliance meetings with the attorney, you can also review all of those aspects. Okay. What things am I signed up for? How is this going to work here? So uh, what I encourage every, what I encourage you to do is say, if you're enrolled in the subscriptions and the right memberships, well, of course, right. All of those things are going to be taken care of to the best of our ability. We think we're pretty good at making sure all of those things are taken care of. Um, not to say like there's never, ever been a time that there's been some type of miscommunication um, about what people wanted for a service and thought they had signed up for and it was different. But um, if there's ever a question about it, that's the way I, I've, I've set it up where it says within like one business day, you should be able to have a response from the paralegal team. If there's any questions about it, it escalates to the attorney team. And then there's two annual meetings that are set up with the attorney to review. Okay, let's take a 10,000 foot up look at everything that's going on in your life make sure everything that we have here, it's all good from a legal perspective. Now you don't have to think about that again until another, another six months. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the patience with answering the question. I was like, man, I went really far into right field into the weeds on something that probably didn't even need to happen. But if anybody else is as big of a nerd as I am, then maybe they found that interesting. Uh, I think why it was next. And then we got Chris. All right, great. Hey, thank you, Scott. Um, hey, so you you mentioned uh, a little while ago that in most states, uh, accounting records are dispositive in terms of establishing whether you're a real business or just an individual sort of pretending to be one. Um, can, can you elaborate maybe on on what is it um, that could make or break you, you know, when it comes to accounting records? You know, where, where do people get in trouble? And then also where, where are people saved um, in, in terms of that? Yeah, so... Um... Remember, it's a it's a factor test, right? So you, to really get to, into the details of it, you have to look at each individual state and what's going to be like required there, right? But the big the big big thing is the accounting records, um, and inside of accounting records, what the court is actually looking for is a writing. So you'd be surprised that most people that are running LLCs and that uh, get challenged with what this is called is called an alter ego theory, meaning that um, that really the company and the person are really one. Right. The law is set up that the LLC is actually treated as a completely separate person, but they're saying, no, 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 they're actually running it in such a way that it's really one person. Most people actually just don't ever have any type of writing at all. And it doesn't even have to be like QuickBooks online, like level of accounting. I'm not going to, it can actually just be like a paper ledger that says I filled it out, but these were the expenses. I mean, like nobody really does that much anymore. Right. Like most people at the very basic level will use like Excel or something. Right. But it's really any type of writing that exists that says, hey, well, we're keeping track of the income and expenses here. And even in the most basic way to say, hey, this is separate than the account. So like people will say like, um, 
like a common story of what they'll you'll hear like in court when this gets challenged is that like the owner of the contracting company will just start pulling cash from the ATM from the company bank account. And there is uh, um, <laughs> Brendan's dad's using carbon paper. Uh, that's amazing. God bless your dad. And um, the owner of the construction company is just pulling money from the ATM. And then he's never recording it on any of the accounting records as an owner's draw. And that's really all he would have had to have done. It's okay right. to pull money out of the company. You just need to write it down and just to record it inside of some way, ideally that, you know, some way that's organized that says, Hey, I'm keeping track of where what's happening in with the money and inside of the entity. Okay. Thanks. That's helpful. Cool. Right on. Um, Chris, up to you. Hey, how you doing, Scott? I love nerding out on this stuff. <laughs> Into the weeds, my friend. Into the weeds. Yes, we yes. Look, guys, one of the commingling of funds between personal and business is one of the number one ways to, to really mess things up. Just make sure at the very, very, very least you have a business bank account and you do your business out of your business bank account. It's when you start using your personal, I mean, I, I'm amazed some people, they use their personal account for business. It's totally commingled. You're just blowing the whole reason for having any to begin with. Yeah. Um, Scott, my question with you was, um, I, I'm a fan of this idea of all this anonymity, uh, making yourself look invisible. Um, my concern, and I'm sure you have an answer for this, is that, you know, the older I get, the more I think about legacy. And, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, my friends of my mom's whose husbands pass away and they don't know where half the money is. Uh, sometimes it's because there wasn't any. Uh, but I just want to make sure that you know, if I'm, you know, things just get more and more complicated. I remember, you know, it was one time that came when you're a W-2, I have investments here, I had bank accounts. Now I've got real estate all over the place. Do you like recommend with your clients or do you put something together that, you know, here's the list of people to call for your heirs if something happens to you or, you know, here's a few hard copies and make sure to keep this in a safety deposit box or in a file that your loved ones know where it is. What kind of advice or what do you tend to provide clients? Uh, yeah, so I, I like to look at everything twice a year, right? Um, so what we have set up um, right now is our strategy and compliance meetings that we do with the attorneys that are for anybody who who becomes a, a member um, and enrolled, I think, into our our family office membership. I think it's like 600 bucks a year or something like that. Um Anyway, inside of that, what we, I always say to do is, is there's a couple of key things that have to happen in those meetings. So one thing is to be able is um, how have you been running your entities, right? Because that's why I want you to know where you're going to tell me. It's like, ah, I haven't been keeping any of my county records. You know, I haven't been doing all this stuff that I should have been doing, right? So we can be like, all right, cool. Let's have a talk about why that's so important. So you can understand why you need to be doing that. Um, there's other things that are going to happen too, right? Is there anything that you acquired or sold since the last time that we talked? right? Because those are things that tell me, do we need to move stuff in and out of any of the entities? Um, so that should clean up what's happening with the money and what's happening with the assets. And the last piece here is what you're talking about is cleaning up the estate planning. And so with the, when you're doing good estate planning, and this is why you want to touch on it twice a year, there's things that need to be adjusted. One, because things can happen with kids, right? That somebody might need more or less support depending on what's going on with them, right? Um, I know something would happen to you. So we can make those tweaks, re-execute the documents. It's super easy after you get the initial estate plan built. Um, the other piece is where's all the stuff? Like the login accounts to E-Trade, where are all the assets located? What are the bank account numbers, rank numbers? And so those are pieces that we want to touch on twice a year because it's just, 
none of this stuff is hard if you just touch it, right? It doesn't even take that much time. You just need to touch it with frequency. So the way that I view what Royal Legal Solutions does um, and strives to do um, is to hold like systems, process, and accountability. Like here's the things we need to talk about to look at. And here's the meeting structure. Cause that's the best thing I've learned from what my corporate training has taught me is that you just handle it by meeting structures. And that makes sure that you're at least having to have accountability to talk to somebody, to look at those things and touch them with some kind of frequency. And then even if you just touch it a little bit, now you're exposed to it to say, ah, shit, now I need a follow-up meeting to be able to, you know, be able to actually solve whatever that issue is going to be. So I recommend you touch it at least twice a year. Um, if you want to be on the highest accountability side of things. Um, but for, if you don't have that kind of support structure in place, the best thing I've uh, seen people do is do it around like Christmas time because the whole family is like together and you make the future of the family part of the discussion, right? Okay, cool. Let's all review. This is what's going to happen. If anything happens to dad, mom and dad, this is what you need to do. Um, our clients are, um, I think in a cool position because we have helped them structure all of the entity structures, help them figure, make sure all of the assets and pieces are organized. If they have, um, if it's appropriate to engage in that kind of level of work. Uh, and then if anything happens to them, we're actually there to support the family with, okay, here's all the corporate structures are working. Here's what all the pieces are. So they have somebody that already has an existing relationship. It's not just like, Oh, cool. Go, go figure that out. You know? of what that is on your own, but some other random person that's never touched any of this stuff before. Uh, so we're able to be that continuity piece to help help train in the family. Or at least that's what we, we strive to do to be able to make that easy. Um, but we're always trying to improve. So I'm always open to ideas with it. But I mean, what, what do you think, Chris? I mean, is that, is that, is that reasonable? You know, anytime you can create a routine uh, that's going to help you with these things, you know, do it. I mean, two things that I do. Yeah. One, it's just, create a spreadsheet uh, and it has all the dates of what you should do in the compliance for it. And then all I do is just copy and paste it on January. And then I have a little place to mark what the date is and, you know, if it was accomplished and, and just make it routine. Um, if you follow the Augusta rule and you're already doing, I, I, you know, doing business meetings, have a, you know, I've got a template for my minutes I just, yeah. you know, I, I, I move the template over, change the date, add a few items that were discussed. Boom. You, you, I'm done in five minutes with minutes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. None of this stuff is hard. Once you figure out the system and the process that's around it, it's most things well, don't fail because of that, but you need it. Right. And, and look, I make it sound easy, but you know, you get, you know, you don't do it. And then all of a sudden you're looking back if you know, that can be tough to recreate and God forbid you're in a lawsuit. Um, if you didn't do those things and, you know, now you feel like you want to try to recreate it, which would be against the law. And now you can get caught in a lie, but why do that? When it takes you 20 minutes a month, maybe to do the compliance. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you got to be honest with yourself. And even if you know, it's only 20 minutes and you just still never do it then you got to get in touch with something like Royal Legal to do this stuff for you. And you just got to really have a look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. And that's okay. If you want to focus on what makes you money and what you're good at, great. If, if there are things that you really struggle with, try to get better. If you can't, then rely on professionals like Scott's company and get, have somebody, you know, third-partied off to somebody else. 
And yeah, it might be, it's certainly more money than doing it yourself, but if you can't do it yourself, find somebody else to do it for you. Don't be afraid to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't do for myself, even though I can like, like, it's really like, it's a selective art to actually know like what I'm capable of. And this is like, nah, I still shouldn't do that. You know, just because it's not my like wheelhouse. It's not the things I love to do. It's, it pulls my attention and focus. I might even drop the ball on it because even though I can do it, it's not really what I'm focused on. Um, so it's, I think it all comes down to that. Right. I think what you're saying, it's like, it's that good look in the mirror. I think it goes even farther than that. I think it's a huge quality of life issue, Scott. I mean, how many entrepreneurs do you know that work 60 plus hours a week because they just fail to delegate anything? And it's, it's, and very often it's an ego thing. Well, I just can't be replaced. Well, like, guess what? You can. And especially with the scut work and, and things that are menial, have that dish over to somebody else and, and live yeah. life and go to your kids' ball games and do all these other things that are much more important. Trust me, when you're on your deathbed, it isn't going to be, oh, God, I wish I spent more time on my reports. It's going to be, you know, those all those ball games you missed. So, yeah. 100%, man. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for sharing that, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Awesome. Brendan, over to you, brother. You muted. Yeah, here we go. Hey, sorry, I'm uh, running around and trying to get stuff done that no one else will do. Um, <laughs> you know, something I, I wanted to add is, um, you know, every uh, every quarter, my spouse and I go over this document we've come up with, which is if you know if I'm dead or incapacitated, you know, this is where stuff is this is how things are structured. These are the important contacts and such. But I also have a section on what needs to happen in the next month. And I, um, I really like Chris's point on the compliance because that's not in there. And it probably should be. Um, you know, I try to keep it short because if there's, um, you know, if if I die or I'm incapacitated or something, um, I want to minimize the the angst and difficulties associated with not knowing how to do stuff or or where things are. It's not like I put in the full details of this is exactly how you keep the minutes and this is exactly how you keep the books, but um, it's more on the level of you know the books need to get kept. You know, I do it, but if I can't do it, you can find a professional and here's a couple of contacts and that sort of thing. And then that's, that's all brilliant. kept on a uh, on an encrypted USB stick, you know, and it it also has things like crypto private keys and that kind of thing. So it's uh, something that we we try to keep secure. I think we had a, a glitch out here for Brendan. I bet what I was learning here from uh, hearing from Brendan here is that it's uh, what he does is he makes sure that the the pieces are you know everything he needs. He has like located in one central area, right? He has it there like where it's secured. He's actually performing ongoing training essentially with his people, right? Which is his family. So that way, if anything happens to him, that they're able to then pick it up and know like what to do uh, next with it, right? So what Brendan has done as he has built for himself what um, I have intended for Royal Legal to do, to do as like a company, to be able to make it easy 
Otherwise we all have to learn all of these like skills around how to like organize, train, continue to like to keep up with all of it as in terms of like accountability. Um, and so these are like the flexes that are in the ins and the outs, right? There's, I guarantee you with your time, attention and focus, there's nothing in this world that somebody can do for you that you can't learn how to do for yourself. Guarantee you. The question is, is where do we want to put our attention and focus? How much and how much of that do we want to put inside of decentralized areas? My personal belief in life is that the fewer things I can focus on, the more successful I'm going to be. The more my mind can have all of the energy I possibly can into the fewest things possible and make sure those are going to be the most leveraged things possible are is where I'm able to get accelerated benefits. Um, and uh, I don't, and maybe just, you know, call me like an old fashioned entrepreneur, you know, thinker, but that's, uh, that's, what's been most true for me. All right, Alex, I'm a, let's go ahead and have you buddy. And then I got to wrap up because I think we're at time. Surely. Um, so Chris and Brendan, with over the years with their experience in how they conduct their business, how they organize themselves, the systems that they have learned over time can execute on those things that was just shared and articulated to us. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are really looking to get themselves started in organizing themselves. Let's talk about the serious LLC structure in terms of asset protection. Let's begin there. The three spokes that you have referred to in terms of compliance, registered agent, nominee trustee, and the rest of it, that's the paperwork, the legal paperwork, right? Once you have it completed. But the biggest takeaway that we had last week with Richard is one thing to put this plan in place, but it's another to fund it or execute on it, right? So you have the structure, it's nice, but what's the next step? I mean, you literally have then have to put these assets, whether it's a business or some uh, investments that you're doing inside the structure. And the question is, uh, how much of that type of interaction uh, or proactive, you know, uh, between real legal and the, in this case, the client, right, who is starting to uh, engage real legal solution for this type of support. So that's really, to me, is, is key beyond doing the structure. 100%, man. There's like, how do you get it like set up? How do you have to run it once you're there? How do you sign for things? How do you move assets in and out of it? And how do you keep it maintained? And what are all the functions that are coming with it? Like the, these, uh, these are, um, there's, a, there's a ton to learn. And I like that it goes like deep into it. And um, for everybody who has might have questions like coming into this call about like, hey, well, how do I do this or that? Uh, the third, you know, this, that, and the third. Remember, there's a couple of great support lines. One is just email in to legal support at royallegalsolutions.com. The paralegal team will be able to help you answer those questions. Um, and we're also building out more and more assets inside of the vault all the time to organize coursework that's around any of these topics. So that as I'm producing uh, and me and the team are producing more education, we're constantly going to be like organizing in there. The idea here is to be able to take, what are all the questions that we all have? Great. Somebody comes in, we identify this kind of question with this issue. Please go watch this video that we've produced. That is our in-depth training on like how everything that's related to like that question. And then let's meet and follow up and talk about it for anything else that's a gap, right? So we can always be leveraging um, the educational components that we have here because I'm like you guys, right? I don't necessarily have to do all of the things myself, but I need to understand them, at least of what's going on for me to feel really comfortable. So it's um, mutual, like, right, Scott? Uh, the client in this case has to be proactive 
uh, because they're the only one that really knows what they've got going on. And once they're in the system, did, but did it be known um, that there is this desire to engage? You know, what do I do with this? Uh, back to the question earlier, you know, is it a standard every November you send out notices and say, hey, you know, do you have that as a, as a reminder, you know, to start thinking about this stuff that you got to do, to do year end? Or is it up to us, who is now a client or real legal, to basically be aware and conscious of these things and start to make a list and don't hesitate to reach out to real legal for support? So- I'll tell you, we do the best job we can about giving out notices to the full email list, regardless if people are clients or not, because it's just part of like a PSA announcement. Hey, by the way, these kinds of things are coming due. These are the things you need to think about the year, end of the year, right? And the, the best I can do outside of that is say, we try to do the best we can about being proactive and making sure everybody's aware just generally, right? And if there's ever a question, they says like, are there things that I might be missing? And say, well, great. This is a great opportunity to do two things. One, connect with the staff and get into like a meeting to review to say, hey, is, do I have everything? Am I thinking about everything that I need to from your breadth of experience, you know, as an attorney, you know, looking at this issue. The other thing you can do is start watching um, any, any of the videos that are inside of the vault that are like the high level overview videos that we have. Those videos are actually created from the perspective of teaching about the broad strokes of everything that needs to be considered right? My viewpoint into it is that nobody will become a client. I actually don't want anybody to become a client until they at least understand what it is we're actually doing. Because to me, like uneducated clients are really, really difficult uh, to deal with, right? Takes up a ton of time and resources. So really what I want to do is I want to work with people that say, hey, I really want to be educated. And so then my job is actually to come, what are the best educational tools that I can provide you to help you understand the 10,000 feet up, help you able to flag like, "Eh, I don't really fully understand this issue. I should either watch like a video that's more detailed about that one sub issue that I learned about from the overarching videos, or I can connect with the staff and the staff can either teach me or connect me with the right resource. So this is the system that I'm trying to work. But if there's ever a question, I say, reach out to the team, right? And and, uh, be able to get into, you know, what are those subsequent subsequent meetings need to be.